you there about, you know, we ask you to you know, get involved, bring things in. It's not just about, you know, more for this church. It's we're looking at blessing other people out beyond this church. And that's what Christianity is all about. And I found that if we'll, if we'll bless others and help others, that there'll be enough. God will take care of us. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your holy written word that'll go out now and be shared with these people and be a blessing to them. And that as they listen to it and they act upon it, that they'll be blessed and they'll be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, greet a couple of people right around you there and then you can be seated. to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Now that's in the Old Testament. But I'll give you a few moments to find that. Nehemiah, the first chapter. Nehemiah, the first chapter. The, uh, the people of God had been taken into Babylonian captivity many years prior to getting to the book of Nehemiah. And in the process of time, some of the people of God had made their way back to Jerusalem. And in Nehemiah, do you all have that? Have you found Nehemiah, the first chapter, the first verse? The words of Nehemiah, the son of uh, Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year that I was in Shushan, the citadel. This is Nehemiah you know, talking here, that Hanai, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down And its gates are burned with fire. Notice, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Titling this message today, What a Mess. What a mess. You need to realize that Jerusalem was in a mess. The wall had been broken down. The gates were burned with fire, an absolute and total mess. Now, I wonder how many people here today that your life is like Jerusalem had become here a total mess. Has your life ever been a total mess? Is it a total mess right now? Well, you've come to the right place today because I believe I'm going to share some things with you from the word of God that will help you get it where it's not in a mess anymore. Maybe your health is in a mess. Maybe your health is in a mess. Maybe your relationships are in a mess. Maybe your marriage is in a mess here today. Maybe your job is in a mess. Are your finances? How many of you know the finances of the United States are in a mess, aren't they? And... uh Many people's finances are in a mess. What a mess. And of course, the question is, what do we do when things are in a mess? 
What do we do when things are in a mess, whether it's something in your life, your health, a relationship, a job, finances? What do we do when things are in a mess? Well, let me just tell you this. Something must be done. Something must be done because if you think that the mess that you're in is just going to magically go away without you doing something, you're fooling yourself. You're going to have to do something to get out of the mess. Now listen to this. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. Did you hear that? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been. So if you find yourself in a mess here today, you can get out of that mess. But you're going to have to take some action. You're going to have to do some things to get out of it. And I just want to share with you here, here this morning some things that Nehemiah did to get Jerusalem out of a mess, to get the wall rebuilt, and so on and so forth. So let's look and see, see some things that he did, and then we can apply these things to our own life and get out of the mess that, that perhaps we're in. Notice here in verse 4, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, after he had heard, notice, so it was when I heard these words. What words did he hear? Well, Jerusalem, the wall's broken down, the gates are burned with fire. When he heard these words... It says here, I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, what we learn from Nehemiah here is this. If you're in a mess, the first thing you want to do is you want to seek the Lord. You want to seek the Lord. You want to inquire of the Lord and pray and spend some time with him and uh, find out what the Lord would have you to do. Now, Nehemiah, as the story goes, he acquired permission from the king, and he goes to Jerusalem and he surveys the conditions. And, and you know, what we all need to do is we need to take a look at our mess, whatever that mess may be, and we need to survey the situation. Sometimes the mess is not as bad as what We've made it out to be. Sometimes it's worse. Now, in this case with Nehemiah, when he went to Jerusalem and he surveyed the situation, it was as bad as what he had been told. The place was in an absolute and total mess. So he surveyed the situation and then Nehemiah calls the people in Jerusalem together to rebuild and he talks about the hand of God. Now look at chapter 2 verse 17. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17. So first of all he prays. Then, then he goes and he, he surveys the, the situation. I, I like that he looks to the supernatural before he looks to the natural. A lot of times we look to the natural realm first. We need to first look to the supernatural realm, uh, seek God, and then survey the, the condition and the, the, the natural situation. And then he calls the people in Jerusalem together to rebuild, and he talks about the hand of God. Notice here in Jeremiah 2 and 17, Then I said to them, so Nehemiah, he's talking to the people there in Jerusalem, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach or that we may no longer be a mess. 
Notice verse 18. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Now, what you need to learn here, and I already spoke about it, but I want to say it again. Nehemiah combines spirituality with practicality. The natural and the supernatural coming together make an explosive force for God. Now, if you're, if you have a mess in your life, you don't want to just deal with that mess from the natural realm, and you don't want to just deal with that mess from the supernatural realm. Did, did you get what I just said? There's a lot of people that I've seen over the years, when, when they get in a mess, they try to take care of it and fix everything themselves naturally, and they never bother to seek the Lord. They never bother to get any of the supernatural going for them. They just try to deal with the problem naturally, and things stay in a mess. I've also seen other people, when they're in a mess, they just want to pray all the time. They just want to pray, 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 and seek God, and pray, and seek God. But they don't ever do anything in the natural realm. You see, if all you do is pray, and you never set your hand to anything, you're going to stay in a mess. If all you do is set your hand to something, and you never pray, you're going to stay in a mess. It's the natural and the supernatural that come together and make an explosive force for God. It's kind of like, I guess, nitro and glycerin. You know, the nitro and the glycerin, you know. As long as as you don't have the, if you just got the nitro without the glycerin, you're okay. If you got the glycerin without the nitro, you're okay. But but you see, you got to get the what? The nitro and the glycerin together. Did you hear what I just said? Now, I'm a mathematician besides being a preacher. I'm not a chemist. But from what I've learned just in my study of math, I've learned this, that there are some chemicals that as long as they're separated, they're no danger. But if you mix them together, they can become combustible. Did you hear what I just said? And they can make an explosive force. And same thing is true as you live your life as a Christian with the natural realm and the spiritual realm. As long as you keep those two separated and as long as you're, well, I'm going to just do everything spiritual. Well, you just got the nitro, so to speak. Well, if you're going to, and other people, they're just going to do everything in the natural. Well, then you just got the glycerin, you know. So to speak. But if you'll get the natural and the supernatural and do them both. Real loud, say do them both. Say it again, do them both. Yeah, do them both. We're spiritual, but we're also natural. Do you understand that? And and you got to get both realms working together. See, Nehemiah, he sought God, but now he's also going to set his hand to do the work. And so when we get the natural and the supernatural together, the nitro and the glycerin, so to speak, then we have an explosive force and things are going to start happening and we're going to start moving out of our mess. Now listen to this. As long as you are only doing one or the other, the natural or the supernatural, the devil is going to leave you alone. Now, how many of you can have, how many of you, if you're like me, you've messed your life up just real good without the devil's help? Huh? And as long as you're a mess, going around just a mess, the devil's going to leave you pretty much alone. The devil's not concerned about Christians who are, who are all messed up. They're not a threat to him. 
Did you hear me? But when you look at your mess and you say, I've had enough of this, I'm tired of being a mess all the time, I'm going to seek God, and then I'm going to find out what He wants me to do, and then I'm going to put my hand to the plow, and I'm going to start getting the natural realm and the supernatural realm working together, guess what? You're going to become an explosive force for God, you're going to move out of your mess... And then guess what happens? As you move out of your mess and you become strong and you start doing something for the Lord, then the devil's going to start attacking you. But I've got good news for you. We've got victory over the devil. Amen? Now notice right here, this is what happens to Nehemiah. He surveys the situation. He seeks the Lord before that. Now they've set their hand to, to, to rebuild. And notice, if you would, in chapter 2, verse 19, says, When Sanballat... How many of you glad you're not named Sanballat? When Sanballat the Honorite, Tobiah the Amorite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us, And said, what is this thing that you are doing? And that's what's going to happen when you start to begin to seek God and start to do some things and start to move out of your mess and start to become powerful for the Lord. The devil's going to show up. And a lot of times you say, what do you mean show up? You know that there's that the the devil works through people. Did you know that? And, and people will show up and they'll start laughing at you and they'll start, they'll say stuff like this. You've been a mess all your life. You've always been a mess. There's no way you're ever going to be able to get out of that mess. Well, I'm here today to tell you that that's a lie. You can get out of your mess. Amen. But you see, that's what the devil will do. He'll try to, he'll try to talk you into staying a mess. He'll try to, to, to get you to just do natural things only or spiritual things only. The devil has no problem with you praying. Pray all the time. He just don't want you doing anything. Did you hear what it just said? He doesn't want you to get the natural and the supernatural working together because then you become an explosive force for God and now the devil's got a problem, you see. And so he showed up here on the scene when Nehemiah started to do some things and began laughing at him and despising him and says, what is this thing that you're doing? Well, when the devil asks you, how will he ask you? Probably through somebody that's yielding to him. And he says, says, what are you doing? Real loud, say this, say, I'm getting out of of a mess. mess. Amen. And he'll keep laughing at you, but you don't pay any attention to him. You just go right on. Now, notice, if you would, in uh, verse 20 here, what Nehemiah does, he tells the devil that he's going to keep, and when I say say the devil, what I mean by that, these people that are harassing him who are yielding to the devil, you know, he tells them he's going to keep doing both spiritual and natural. Look at this, Nehemiah 2.20. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will do what? Will arise and build. Do you see what his answer is? He says, hey, I'm going to keep seeking God and I'm going to keep working with my hands. I'm going to keep doing spiritual things. I'm going to keep doing natural things. And then it's interesting if you, and I won't take the time for this, but if you go into Nehemiah chapter 3 and you start reading in there, it's interesting what Nehemiah does is he gets the people working together. 
It's important that we work together. It's important that you cooperate with the Lord. Amen. It's important that you cooperate with your spouse. If you're here today and you're having marital problems, let me tell you this. You're going to have to start cooperating together. You're going to have to, as husband and wife, start working together side by side. And what we see here as we read in chapter 3 is that he got the people working side by side. He got the people working side by side. And the Bible says this, says that he got such and such people doing the thing they're supposed to be doing and then he got the next group of people doing the thing they were supposed to be doing and he got the next group of people doing the thing they were supposed to be doing and so on and so forth and they were working side by side next to one another making repairs and and so what I would tell you today is if your life is in a mess what you need to do is is maybe let's talk about a relationship here maybe you're having a, a, a problem in a relationship First of all, you can't fix your spouse. You can't fix the other person. Did you hear me? No matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to do it. The only one you can fix is, say this, say myself. So find out what it is in yourself that you need to correct and fix and work on yourself. And then your spouse should stand right beside of you and work on themselves. And if the both of you will work on yourselves respectively, guess what? You can get out of that marital mess. I've already seen that. Now, this is a church example, but I've already seen where churches were in a mess and there was grumbling and arguing and fussing and going on. And you know what? What needs to be done is, is seek the Lord, find out what needs to be worked on, and then everybody work on their part and work side by side Side by side, everybody doing their part. The ushers work together, you know. The the the, the, the uh, uh, worship team they work together. The children's workers work together, you know. And if you get everybody working right by their side, side by side, doing what they're supposed to be doing, you can get that thing out of a mess. C- can you say Amen? So it applies in a church setting. It applies in in in, in your personal life. Uh, if if you're in a mess. You need to find out what you need to work on and then you need to to do it. And in this case here, what they did is Nehemiah got everybody working together, working side by side. Now, let us look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. We see that as a result of God's people working together and cooperating and working in unity, realize, say, unity... Realize, say it again, unity. unity. You know what God wants? He wants his people working together in unity. When you get God's people working together in unity, I tell you what, you've got some power made available. You see it throughout the Bible when, when the people, even you, how many of you have ever read the story of the Tower of Babel? They were ungodly people. But when they got to working together in unity, there would nothing be impossible to them. And if that's true for ungodly people, how, how much more is it true for Christians and people that are serving God? If we'll get to working together in unity, then there's nothing that'll be impossible to us. How many of you remember over in the book of Acts where they had all that power in the church? 
Well, what we see with that is, again and again, the Bible says they were working in one accord, in one accord. That just means they were working together in unity. And so that's what we see here in Nehemiah's time, is he got the people working together side by side in unity. And I'll tell you what, when you get to working in unity, get ready because the devil is, he's going to really attack you now. He's going to do more than just laugh at you. He's, he's going to attack. Now notice here in Nehemiah 4, verse 1. But so it happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete the, you know, the wall and the building in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? In other words, the devil here through Sanballat was reminding the people of God, hey, you've got a mess. It's a bad mess. You're never going to be able to get out of that. Real loud, say the devil's a liar. How many of you know he is? That's just like the devil. He'll ridicule you, belittle you. Make little of what what progress you're trying to make. And then verse 3, Now Tobiah the Amorite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, now look how the devil operates. Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Real loud, say the devil's a liar. I want to encourage you today as you make an effort to clean up your mess at the hand of God. Don't let the devil belittle you and discourage you and get you to give up and quit. You keep seeking God. You keep doing what what God wants you to do. And and I tell you what, you'll get out of that mess. And you can be strong again. Notice as the devil here is continuing to attack the people of God as they're trying to get out of their mess and rebuild this wall. Notice in chapter 4, verse 4, notice what Nehemiah did. Verse 4, notice he says, Hear, O our God. Do we see that he keeps seeking the Lord? He keeps doing the supernatural stuff. He keeps spending time with God. And look at verse 6. Notice what verse 6 says. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to what? To work. What do we see that the people of God here did when the devil attacked them and belittled them? What do we see? They kept on doing what they knew they were supposed to be doing. They kept doing what they knew they were supposed to be doing. They kept praying. Notice verse 4. Hear, O our God. So they kept praying. They kept doing the spiritual stuff. And then in verse 6, it says they had a mind to work and they kept right on working right through the devil's attacks. Now notice... In chapter 4, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, see, the devil's relentless. He'll just keep right on at you, keep right on at you. How many of you glad that God's bigger than the devil? How many of you glad we serve God? Amen? And notice right here, in Nehemiah 4, verse 7, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, 
that they became very angry. See, when the devil sees that you're getting out of your mess and, the, and he's tried to ridicule you and stop you and you refuse to stop, you're just going to keep on keeping on. It's going to make him very angry. And notice in verse 8 what, what he does here, what the devil does. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create what? Create what? Create confusion. See, now the devil is going to attack him physically. He's just been attacking them verbally up to this point. Now he's going to attack them physically. There's going to be some attacks come. And through these attacks, he's going to try to create confusion. You know, there's nothing quite as debilitating as confusion. I've watched confusion get into households and just destroy families. No, we don't want to let the devil confuse us. We need to know what our purpose is. We need to know what our vision is. We need to know what God has called us to do. And we need to stick with that. Can you say amen? Amen. Stick with it. Don't let the devil confuse you. Don't be confused. Amen? And we see again and, and again in Scripture, the devil comes in and he'll bring confusion and it'll cause the people of God to go backwards. So don't let him confuse you when he attacks. You know, uh, I'm saying a lot here this morning about how the devil operates. Now, if, you, if you're visiting today, you need to understand something. We don't run with the devil around here. We run with God. Amen? But the Bible also says in the New Testament that if we're ignorant of the devil's devices, then he can take advantage of us. So, so what we should learn here this morning is how the enemy operates, how the devil operates, and how we need to respond to him. And when we respond to him the way Nehemiah did, we can get out of our mess and be successful. Amen? So now the devil is going to attack physically and, and try to bring confusion. Now, if you would, in chapter 4, verse 9... Notice what Nehemiah and the people do when the, the, the confusion begins and the devil's attacking and whatnot. Notice the response to this. Notice verse 9, Nehemiah 4.9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. What do we get out of this? That when we realize the devil is going to attack, we need to keep praying. Real loud say, keep praying. Yeah, keep praying and set a watch. We need to be watchful. We need to be on guard. Because as we do some things to get out of our mess, as I keep saying, the devil's going to be attacking and we need to set a watch. And then notice if you would here in chapter 4, verse 14, notice this. Then I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. You know, as Christians, we ought to be looking out for one another, shouldn't we? As a church, we ought to be looking out for one another. And in verse 15, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. And you know, God will bring their plot to nothing. Say amen. And all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Well, what do we get from this? Is, is that we need to be looking out for one another. 
When, when we have a fellow brother or sister in the Lord that's trying to get out of their mess, we need to stand guard for them and watch for them and help them. Can you say amen to that? You see, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be for one another. We need to be working with one another. We need to be standing beside one another and helping one another and working with one another. We shouldn't be looking for ways to tear one another down, but we ought to be standing guard for one another. And as you're trying to get out of your mess, I need to be standing guard for you. And I need to be watching out for you. And as I'm trying to get out of my mess, you need to be standing guard for me. And you need to be watching out for me. We need to be watching out for one another, you see. And, and uh, that's what the people of God did here. They, they watched out for one another. Like in a church setting, our ushers ought to be watching out for the worship team. Amen. Worship team ought to be watching out for the ushers, you know. And you could apply it to, to your, your home life as well. You, you know, as parents, you ought to be watching out for your children. And children, you ought to be watching out for your parents. See, if, if you've got a mess and you want to get out of the mess, you need to find some good people that'll work with you, that'll stand guard for you, that'll help you, you see. And that's what they did here. They realized the devil was going to attack them and they stood guard for one another. And then notice verse 17 is a very interesting verse. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Now that's very interesting. Can you imagine seeing a construction worker out there working with a hammer in one hand and a club in the other? Or a hammer in one hand and a gun in the other, so to speak. That's the kind of situation these people were in. They wanted to get out of their mess. And, and they were going to do everything that they could to get out of their mess. And the devil was attacking. And yes, they were looking out for one another. But also, too, as they built the wall, as they were trying to get out of their mess, they had, a, they had, they had in one hand, they had an instrument to build and, and to get out of their mess. And in the other hand, they held a weapon to beat the devil off. How many of you know, sometimes when you're trying to get out of your mess, you got to be working with one hand, doing what God told you to do, and you need to be beating the devil off with the other hand. Do you understand that? And I tell you what I'm going to do is this. I know that this Bible here is the sword of the Spirit. So any mess that I ever get in, what I'm going to do is I'm going to seek the Lord, find out what He wants me to do, and then I'm going to get some good people around me that will stand with me to, to watch for me and help me, and we're going to work and do what God says do. We're going to do the spiritual stuff, the natural stuff, and while I'm doing the natural stuff with one hand, guess what? I'm going to keep the Word of God in the other hand beating the devil off. Can you say amen? And that's what you need to do yourself. Is, is find out what God wants you to do. Set your hand to that plow and work on it. And when the devil attacks, take the word of God and beat him off. Have, the, have your, your instrument of work in one hand and the word of God in the other. And I tell you what, if you do that, the time will come where you'll get out of your mess and you'll be strong for God. I'm trying to bring you hope here today. Amen. Now notice, if you would... In uh, chapter 6, chapter 6, in chapter 6, we see something else here about, about the devil. And again, I'm not trying to magnify him. We magnify the Lord Jesus, but it's interesting. You need to know how the devil operates so you don't let him take advantage of you. It's interesting here. Did you know that if the devil can't beat you, he'll join you? 
If he can't beat you, he'll try to join you. I was watching It's a Wonderful Life last night. How many's ever seen that? And Mr. Potter, he need to get saved, doesn't he? Uh, he couldn't beat Jimmy Stewart, could he? Or uh, what's his name? George Bailey. He couldn't beat him. He couldn't beat him. He could not beat the man. He could not take that old Bailey building and loan down, could he? He tried everything. He tried to beat him and he couldn't beat him. So guess what he does? He calls George Bailey in and he tries to buddy up with him. And he offers him a job making $20,000 a year. And do you know the devil can make you some interesting offers? And that was an interesting offer for George Bailey because he dropped the cigar out of his mouth. How many remembers that? And he was thinking about taking the offer, wasn't he? And then he asked, his, he asked Potter, he said, can I have 24 hours to think about this? How many remembers that? The devil can really flash some stuff up in front of you. Because if he can't beat you, he'll try to join you. But don't ever forget this. In the devil trying to join you, the devil never has your best interest in mind. And so Jimmy uh, Stewart or George Bailey, you know, he's sitting there. He's thinking about $20,000 a year. And the cigar, how many remembers when the cigar falls on the floor? He said, I need 24 hours to think about it. Was he going to think about it? He's going to think about it. And then as he went to shake Mr. Potter's hand, he remembered that he was shaking hands with a very unsavory character. A character that had blasphemed his father, huh? And a person that had tried to destroy him. And remember what he did when he, when he went to shake hands with him and he, he thought about all that and he pulled his hand away and he throws a cigar down and he says, uh-uh, nope. He says, I don't need any time to think about this. I'm not buddying up with you. How many remembers that? And he calls him a wormy or a squirmy little spider. Remember that? And then he looked at his henchman and he said, and that goes for you too. Remember that? And then he opened the door and he said to the people, I said, that goes for you too. I'm here today to tell you I'm not making deals with the devil. I said, I'm not making deals with the devil. There's nothing he can offer me that I'm going to accept. Amen? But notice right here, that's what happens. Look here at chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come! Let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me what? Harm. See, they couldn't beat him. They couldn't stop him from rebuilding the wall. So now they're going to buddy up with him. But they had ulterior motives, didn't they? So I sent messengers to them, verse 3, saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it to go down to you? Notice he was not going to go to the plain of oh no, was he? And that's really a good answer for the devil when he offers us something. We say, oh no, real loud. Yeah, one more time. Oh no. That's what we say to the devil. Oh no, you don't. And then it's interesting in verse 3, 
after all the ridicule that the devil had brought to Nehemiah about you're building this wall and you're just using a bunch of burned stones and you're just, it's just, it's, you know, it's a little rinky dink thing you're doing. And if a fox ran up on it, it would notice Nehemiah didn't see it that way. He saw the work that he was doing. He said, I'm doing a great work. Now, you need to realize this as you're trying to get out of your mess and the devil comes and he tries to make fun of your progress. He tries. Maybe you're here today and you're trying to kick smoking. How many of you know if you're a smoker, God loves you? How many of you know I love you? How many of you know I'd rather have smokers attend in here than gossips? Amen. Now, I tell you, don't smoke. It'll destroy your health. But you know, if you're smoking, that's a mess, isn't it? It's going to mess you up, isn't it? It doesn't matter. We could talk about whatever sin you want. But you know what? Maybe you're down from eight. Pa- what, what? What are pa- eight? Pa- what? Huh? Two packs? What are people? What's a high-end smoker? What are they? Two, two a day? All right. So maybe you're down from from two packs. Is it two packs or cases? Packs. Packs. I've never smoked, so I don't know. Two packs. Is that a lot? Okay, <laughs> so maybe you're down from two packs. What would be good? Down to a pack and a half? Well, I know that's where we're, but we're not there yet. We're not there at four. To, we're getting there. What up? Huh? Let's just say you're gone from, are you getting anything out of this? <laughs> Let's just say you've gone from two to one. The devil will come in there and say, you're still a smoker. You're, you're still a smoker. You're still smoking one pack a day. You're still smoking one. Well, you know what? Dodo bird devil, I'm down from two to what? One. You're moving in the right direction, aren't you? And God still loves me and I'm working on this and bless God, I'm going to get out of this and beat this thing. Amen? Is that okay? I'm doing a good work. And we could, maybe you've lost your strength in your body and maybe you couldn't walk at all and now maybe you're able to take a few steps. The devil will come in there and say, well, you're only able to go two steps. You're only able to go two steps. You tell him, hey, yesterday I couldn't go any steps. Today I can go two, Mr. Devil. So I'm doing a great work. Realize, say, I'm doing a great work. Yeah, and you think about, you think about Nehemiah is when he said, I'm doing a great work, as you look at the, his whole life, he was not magnifying himself. He was magnifying God. And the, the context of this, I'm doing a great work at the hand of God. And you'll see here in a minute when I close that he gives God all the glory and the praise. Amen? The point I'm trying to make here is this, is the devil will come in and he'll try to demean what progress you are making to get out of your mess. And when he comes in to demean you, you stand up in the power of God and you say, look, I'm not cutting any deals with you, devil, and I'm going to tell you something else. I'm doing a good work. I'm moving in the right direction. I'm making progress. Amen? And notice right here, I'm I'm almost done, but look here at verse 9, Nehemiah 6, verse 9. A key to Nehemiah's success, as we'll see, I just alluded to it. For they all were trying to make us afraid. See, that's what the devil will do. He'll work through people to try to make us afraid. They all were trying to make us afraid. See, as Nehemiah and the people were building the, rebuilding Jerusalem and the wall and all of that, they were all trying to make us afraid, saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done 
See, that's what the devil will tell you. You're never going to get there. You're never going to get out of that mess. You've always been in that mess. Your your ancestors before you were in that mess. And you're never going to be able to get out of that mess. You're never going to be able to get out. You're never going to be able to... Realize, say, the devil's a liar. But see, that's what he's doing here. He'll try to make you afraid. He'll try to weaken you and say it'll never be done. But look what Nehemiah, look at, go get this, get this. Look at what he says. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. That's a prayer that we all ought to be praying every day. Oh God, strengthen my hands. And there you have the natural and the supernatural working together. Say, oh God, strengthen my hands. What do we have there? When we cry out to God, that's the spiritual. Strengthen my hands, that's the natural, you see. And the natural and the supernatural coming together makes an explosive force for God. Real loud, say, oh God, strengthen my hands. Amen. And notice in verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul, but but get this, in 52 days. Now that's not very long, is it? That in 52 days, they went from having a mess to having a rebuilt wall. 52 days. That's not very long if you really think about it. 52 days. Did these people get out of their mess? Yes, they did. And it didn't... I tell you what, if you'll really start following God and putting your hand to the plow, it doesn't take long to get out of a mess. How many of you know that the children of Israel, they went, they circled in the wilderness for 40 years and they could have been where they were supposed to be in a couple of weeks. Is that right? But they would never humble themselves and stick with God. If you'll humble yourself and seek God and set your hand to the plow, you can be out of that mess in no time at all, praise God. And they were out in 52 days. Notice verse 16. And it happened when all our enemies, now watch this, when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our our God. Praise God. What did Nehemiah and the people of God do? They discouraged the devil. How many of you know the devil tries to discourage you? Well, I tell you what, you can seek God and walk with God and the hand of God will come on you. And I tell you what, in a short time, you can get out of that mess and you can rise up and be strong. And I tell you what, the devil and his crowd will hear about it. And when they do, they'll become discouraged. Amen. I like discouraging the devil. How about you? Uh, He tries to discourage us. Let's discourage him. How can we discourage him? Seek God and let God bless us and, and rise up out of that mess and it'll discourage the devil. I remember, remember David, remember David when he defeated the giant Goliath? How many of you remember that? He defeated that giant and the Bible says that word got back to that giant's hometown that the, their great champion Goliath had been defeated. And you know what that did back in, in Gath, back in their hometown? It discouraged other giants from coming at the people of God. And so I like discouraging the devil because if you discourage the devil, it'll dishearten him and it'll get to the point where he'll leave leave you alone more and more. Amen. Praise God. Now notice this. They discour- they built the wall. They discouraged the devil. And notice they perceived that this work was done by our God. I tell you what, when we get out of our mess, not only will the devil know, not only will we know that God did it, but the devil will know that God did it. Real loud say, to God be the glory. 
to God be the glory. Amen. And I'll close with this verse, very popular verse in Nehemiah 8 and 10, and then I'm done. Notice you've all heard the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. But it comes from this story right here that I've been sharing with you today. In Nehemiah 8 and 10, they had built the wall. They had gotten out of their mess. And he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For the day, for, for this day is holy to the Lord our God. Do not sorrow, sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So we had a mess here where the wall was broken down, Jerusalem lay in ruins, and in 52 days from the time they start building, the wall is built, things are fortified, they're out of their mess, They've discouraged the devil, and then now they're able to eat the fat. That means eat the good and drink the sweet. Amen. Get out of your mess. God has good days ahead of ahead for you. He's got days of eating the fat. That just that doesn't mean getting fat. Say amen. That means eating good. How many of you know you can eat good and lose weight? I've been eating pretty good lately. I've lost 30 pounds in the last couple of, however long it's been. I don't eat meat anymore. It's hard. And I don't drink milk. I quit eating meat and drinking milk. And I don't cheat on the side. I don't go into the quick trips and get the, you can ask Lizzie, Lizzie there. She'll tell you, I haven't been into getting, I always tell her, don't tell my wife I'm <laughs> buying M&M's. I hadn't been in in a while, have I? See, I'm losing weight. Say amen. amen. Say the pastor's losing weight. <laughs> Glory to God. But, but nonetheless, you can eat. How many's noticed? Anybody notice? Okay. You know, nobody's ever told me I'm fat. And I tell Diane, I said, nobody ever tells me I'm fat. And she says, well, nobody's going to tell you that you're fat. But how many of you know I was, I was heavy? About, I couldn't get this thing built, not buttoned. I'm doing better. Amen. See, I was in a mess. I was in a mess. Tell them about your cholesterol. Tell them about my cholesterol. My cholesterol. How <laughs> many want to hear about these nice people didn't come to hear about my blasted cholesterol? You want to hear about my cholesterol? It, it was up probably about 214 or better a year ago. And now it's down 187, I think it is. So it's done. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. And that's just on what? Food. But see, I was in a mess. I, and if you're, if you're here today and you're overweight, I'm not, I'm not putting you down. Maybe you're here today and you're underweight. I don't know. Maybe you need to gain weight. Maybe you need to lose weight. I was in a mess. This was not in my notes, by the way. But I was in a mess. I needed to lose weight. I couldn't fit in any of my clothes. And I, you know, what are you going to do? And so we got a hold of this diet and I started on it. And, and you know what? You know, you lose a pound, you lose two pounds and the devil will come in there and he'll say, what will he say? That's not very much. You're not doing very good. Huh? But you know what? You just keep on keeping on. And I got my wife. She got in there. She works by my side. And you know what? The next thing you know, we go from 224. We go down. It's 220. And then it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And now we're down about 192. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? And now we're going to keep going down about 185. And then we'll cut it off. Amen. Point is, you can get out of the mess. You can get out of the mess. I said, you can get out of the mess. Why did I need to get out of that mess? Because I don't want to die when I'm 60 years old. Did you hear me? How many of you know that's a mess? How you know we ought to live longer than that? So you see, we can eat the good. We can drink the sweet. 
But then once we get it, now watch this, once we get out of our mess and once we get strong, then he said, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. Why does God want us to be out of our mess so that we can be a blessing to somebody else? What's the old saying? Change your mess into a message. Why does, didn't Nehemiah, he had a mess and now he has a message, doesn't he? Well, you see, like my weight, I was a mess, now I have a message, you see. Whatever the case may be, get out of your mess, become a message and then do something to help somebody else. Can you say amen? And then the final thing is, he says what? The joy of the Lord is your what? Is your strength. Do you think those people had reason for joy? Yeah, they went from a mess to having a message. They went from broken down walls to strong walls, and there was great reason for joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Praise God. What's the main lesson today? Prayer and perseverance will overcome all obstacles. Stand with me if you